Hey, Ansel Lee here. Welcome to this edition of Common Grounds. Common Grounds is a place where we can come together over around a cup of coffee to talk about life experience, talking about business experience, building relationships, so you will succeed in both personal and business life. So, hey, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, uh, enjoy this brew and listen in to our conversation today. Hey, Ansel Lee here. Hey, welcome to Common Grounds, Common Grounds podcast. Uh, Common Grounds is a place that we, we connect with others over a cup of coffee to share life experience, ideas, and innovation. And um, very excited today to have my good friend, Spencer Jones on our podcast. Hey, hey, good day, Spencer. Hey, Ansel, how are you doing this morning? Hey, I'm doing great, doing great. Just uh, just appreciate you being on here today and, and uh, so excited about what you're doing. And, and uh, let me, I just want to give you a little background on, on Spencer. Um, um, uh, Spencer, I, I call him the rock star of biotech innovation. Um, and when, when you appear on the front, on the cover of the, you know, the business magazine of, here in our state, you know, uh, I, I consider you a rock star, Spence. So um, I'm just saying. Well, that's too kind, Ansel. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he is the innovator and creator of, of several products, um, including the, the product that he's working with, with Linus Medical. And uh, he'll mm -hmm. talk more about that. He's raised several million dollars to uh, and startup capital for his uh, company. Uh, and he is a and and all and uh, transparency. He is a good friend and on my board of advisors. So uh, welcome, Spencer. Good to have you on this today. Thank you, Ansel. It's a pleasure to be on. Hey, so hey, give us an update. On, and you, you were doing this before we before we kind of kicked this off here, but um, where are you with your product with Linus Medical? And you've been working on this for three or four years now, correct? Yeah, so we were, uh, the company was founded in 2015. Um, so we've been going at this, it was in May of 2015. So we've been going at this for the better part of, you know, five, five years and some change, five years and a few months. Right. Um, you know, it's it's been a grind. It usually takes a little bit over five years to get uh, regulatory clearance on a company's first product since company founding. Um, but we're doing good. We are uh, currently under review at the FDA, which is really exciting. Um, you know, the regulatory phase uh, is really a critical one for a lot of companies. Um, and once you get over that hill, then you get on to some of the more um, kind of meat and potato stuff about, you know, sales and you know, you're generating revenue and you're getting to be a little bit more dynamic of a business and get out of that, you know, R and D regulatory phase, which, you know, can be a slog, but we're doing well. Um, you know, we're just taking things as they come as far as like kind of the regulatory requirements and, <clears throat> and testing that we're doing. Um, we are uh, starting a clinical trial soon uh, up in Hartford, Connecticut, uh, very soon next week. Uh, so we're really excited wow. about that. That's going to be a really pivotal trial for us. Um, it's going to help us with a number of things, regulatory otherwise. So we're just really excited about that and uh, really excited to get this product on the market and uh, and start getting it in the hands of nurses and helping patients um, 
uh, helping patients and hopefully preventing uh, IV complications and uh, making the <clears throat> making those IV sites a little bit more efficient, both for the, the patients, the nurses, and the hospital. So outstanding. Hey, what what is the what is the name of your product? And Safe Break Vascular. And, and and what does it what does it do? Yeah. So um, Safe Break is a it's a uh, infusion disposable. So think uh, in between the IV pump and the patient. That's where this that's where our product lives. Uh, so if you if you've ever been to a uh, at a gas station pump. Um, and maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but you, if you've ever pulled out of the, of the gas station pump with the pump still in the vehicle, um, there's a little breakaway knuckle that's on the hose that separates after a certain level of tension is reached. So you don't tear up your car, you don't tear up the gas station pump and gas doesn't go flying everywhere. So we basically have that same concept, but for IV sites. So we have a two inch breakaway valve called safe break vascular that goes in between that patient's IV access device and in between that uh, and that long IV tubing from the pump. So it sits in the line, you know, close to the patient, you know, it, it, it's kind of in line. So the patient's really not even going to, you know, it's not going to affect, uh, impact their care. Uh, they're probably not going to notice it until uh, there's a certain event. So, so say they're going down uh, to get an x-ray, right? And they're going from the bed to the gurney or the bed to a wheelchair, right? Uh, say it gets caught on the bed rail or a nurse trips over it or, you know, any number of reasons, uh, any number of things can precipitate a high pull force event on that line. Uh, and so once four pounds of tension is reached on that line, our device intentionally separates, right? Okay. So it, it creates that, that necessary separation to relieve the tension on the line and hopefully protect that IV, IV catheter. Um, once it separates, it seals off both sides. So it prevents uh, medication from leaking out of the IV tubing side, and that's going to trigger an occlusion alarm on the pump. So that starts beeping and lets the nurse know to come and investigate. Um, but then also on the patient side, uh, it seals off as well. So it prevents any blood loss uh, from the patient side. So it's a, it's a relatively simple concept. You know, the engineering and design of the product we like to think is pretty complex. Um, but at, at its core, it's a very basic idea. You know, industrial hosing, different industries have quick release valves for things. Uh, in, 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 the, in the case of, you know, tension being put on that line, whatever that line is, uh, or that hose. So it's a really simple product. We, th we think it's pretty basic, uh, but it's something that has a large application and, and we believe could help a ton of people. Wow. Well, I, I will, um, uh, that, 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 that is so exciting and um, innovative. And um, I, I, I will admit I, I, uh, that I have, actually driven off with the pump uh gas pump in my car and mm -hmm. and and done just that so um i hate to admit that but that was a long time ago and um but uh also the, the other thing i would say that uh i don't know if i've shared this with you my daughter Kel kendra uh is a patient care tech at uh, mm -hmm. a local hospital here and uh, she you know this is about her first month and she went in the other day and the, and a patient with dementia had ripped out their IV. And wow. uh, it was, it was a, a very much a, a learning experience for her. And um, it, it, um, it was just very, it was not good for the, the patient. And, you know, of course, it, yep. everyone had to stop and take care of the, pa you know, take care of the, mm -hmm. you know, take care of the, the mess and the, and the whole, the patient and, and, and get that to get the IV back in and all that kind of jazz. So um, 
Right. Uh, I was actually a patient care tech uh, in the past um, when I was in nursing school. So, so that I saw it happen a lot there. Well, and, and I'll just add on, you know, quickly, it's you're, you're, you you got to be thinking, okay, well, how often do these IVs get pulled out or how often does this occur? Right. So about 11% of all IV catheters will become dislodged and dislodged is just the technical term, meaning there's high pull force on the line. And then the catheter is um, basically it disrupts the dressing or adhesive and then it's pulled out of the patient's uh, body. Um, so that happens about 11% of the time. And that's really the main thing that we're hope we're hoping to address. Yep. And you're thinking 11% of the time, well, how many, how many is that? There's over 220 million catheters successfully placed every year in the U.S. So if you do the math on that, you're looking at um, a very large number, you know, 24 million or so right. uh, peripheral IV catheters that are <laughs> dislodged every single year. And then beyond dislodgement, um, you know, 40, 46% of catheters will fail due to a mechanical complication, right? And those, the reason they're called mechanical complications is because there's a, a, a physical force element, um, physical manipulation of the catheter, whether it's infiltration, which is the catheter coming out of the vein, but still being under the skin, right. uh, phlebitis, which, which physical irritation can, uh, can inflame that vessel and cause it to have pain, uh, cording and tenderness that you might have to pull it out for, uh, or, or occlusion is another one where, um, there's enough agitation of the catheter tip that it basically stirs up that intima of the vessel uh, and causes the de uh, depositing of uh, blood and blood particles that clot the catheter and occlude the tip of the catheter. So not only do we think that we can make a dent, a uh, huge dent, um, you know, we're aiming to eliminate dislodgement, right? right? But not only do we think we can make a huge dent in dislodgement, we actually think that there's going to be some ancillary benefits uh, to the other uh, mechanical complications as well. And I'll caveat that with saying this is, this is one of the things this clinical study is looking at. Um, you know, we have to, you have, we have to make, uh, produce that data and have good data on those things for us to be able to make those claims. Uh, so right now it's, it's, uh, we have one clinical trial in the books where we did see positive results on dislodgement and the other mechanical complications, but this, this next trial we're doing is much larger sample size. So, right. um, you know, having that statistically significant sample size, hopefully will help us uh, be able to, you know, more definitively state the impact of the device. Wow. Um, that's, that's incredible. Um, so <clears throat> kind of back up and you, you hit this while ago, um, you, you're a patient care tech. Um, actually you, you, you're a, you're a registered nurse. Is that, is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So I grew up in a healthcare household and, um, uh, my dad was a CRNA who, you know, Cleve well. I do. <laughs> um, but I always, I always knew I wanted to do healthcare in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and so while I was going through nursing school, I was a they, they they're called something different everywhere: PCTs, patient care techs, CNA, right. certified nursing assistants. Sometimes they're just called techs. Uh, but I was a I was a CNA uh, while I was going through school, and I actually sat for my LPN boards early because you can sit for your LPN boards while you're still in RN school, getting your BSN. So I did that for a while, worked at a long-term care facility, graduated, worked at an inpatient hospital. So I really, um, it, it, I'm always a fan of, of students and young people getting, uh, whether it's an internship or a side gig or something like that in the field that they're working in so they can just continue to gain experience. And that allowed me, when I was doing that, to work in uh, a rehab facility, you know, orthopedic, traumatic brain injury. Uh, those types of rehabilitation facilities. I worked in one of those. I worked in a long-term care facility, which is a lot, a lot of people may just know better as an old folks home or a nursing home. 
Right. Uh, and then after that, I was able to work in one of the largest inpatient hospitals in the state, uh, St. Vincent down in uh, CHI St. Vincent down in Little Rock. Right. And so just through those three, uh, three environments that I was exposed to, I really got a chance to see a lot of the different parts of the healthcare continuum, right? You've got all the way on the left, you've got, you know, family practice, and it goes to outpatient, and it goes to inpatient, then there's LTACs and SNFs and things. And so I was able to see a lot of the different kind of chains uh, in that healthcare continuum. And when you, and that's a bit, that's really important for entrepreneurs to understand that, you know, healthcare is a really multifaceted thing. And so yep. getting exposed to the different chains and um, how patient care is different in each one of those and how, you know, billing is structured and how reimbursement structured and kind of what are the metrics that they're graded on specific to that piece of the value chain or the care continuum. So I thought that was a really a huge, and it's one of those things where you didn't realize that you were learning all this stuff uh, when you were learning it, or at least I didn't. Uh, And then the more I started to learn about the business side of healthcare uh, and medical devices, it kind of dawned on me and I was able to draw on all this knowledge um, that I had gained. Wow. So what what a background uh, to give you and, you know, I, I know that before even your your work in, as a as in healthcare, you were you're, you were working on you know some some apps and startup and some innovation, and so really kind of innovation is I think in your blood is what I think, um, um, and that mm-hmm. and, and that you know you, you saw this you saw this problem, and um, mm-hmm. and really took the idea. And once you took the idea, you know, and, and really getting a, um, what did you, how did you kind of, how did you build on this idea to get it to where you are about, I would say, you know, pretty close to launching here. Uh, and it's taken, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not been a short time. It's been, like you said, it's been over, you know, five plus years. But once you mm-hmm. got that idea, what, what did you do next after you got the idea? Yeah, so, so it's, it's a great, great, great question. Um, I think things really started, you know, I put a business plan together, um, you know, did some sketches of what the device would be like. And that was really kind of the first, first, like amount, like the first type of work I was doing, I was doing some research. Um, and then I got uh, linked up with uh, Jeff Amrine, who at the time was a business professor at the University of Arkansas. Uh, I think he still may teach actually, but got linked up with him. And then he said, you know, this is, this is an interesting idea. Let's uh, let's talk to some people about it. Um, and he introduced me to a group called Innovate Arkansas, uh, which was really my first uh, introduction to an ESO or an entrepreneurial support organization. So I'll use that acronym. But Innovate Arkansas was a great ESO that um, they helped me do some early stage, the like kind of validation of the concept. So right. they uh, basically helped me get uh, what's called an invention evaluator report, which is a really um, kind of comprehensive look at what your idea is, the space around it, competitors, intellectual property, um, size of the market, all of that stuff. Um, and so I kept working through that with them and had a, a couple of meetings. And then they said, you should apply for uh, an accelerator program. And so the first one I did was in 2014. It was called the ARC Challenge. And if you, uh, some of your listeners may not be familiar with, uh, with uh, accelerator programs, but they come in many different shapes and sizes. This one they picked eight companies, uh, and this was across from the, across the state. There were some from out of state, but they tried to make it uh, a lot of companies from in-state, I believe. Uh, and they picked eight companies. They invested $20,000 of investment capital into each company. So 
this was an equity transaction, right? They were taking a piece of the company, giving us each company $20,000 to invest back into the right. business. Right. Uh, and then at the end of a 13 week boot camp, um, kind of sprint where you were constantly meeting mentors, doing workshops, learning about the different parts of uh, different things specific to your business and then all businesses in general, um, you know, sales, marketing stuff that was very general for everybody. Um, at the end of that 13 week, they had a competition that, uh, and most accelerators end in a demo day is what it's called. Right. And so we, you know, we, you pitch your product, the judges deliberate, and I ended up winning that competition. And that came with 150 K, uh, of, of, of more of capital invested in the business. So that, that was the first kind of getting things off the ground, getting me into entrepreneurship. Um, and since then we've done multiple other accelerators, um, with the business. We did one in 2015 called zero to five ten. That's out of Memphis, Tennessee. It is a medical device specific accelerator, which, um, you know, the more specific your accelerator can get, the better it is because the mentors they bring in the workshops and the sessions that they proctor and, and put and take you through are, are much more pertinent to your specific business. Um, so that one, you know, I would, uh, I'm a huge fan of that program. It's still going on today. Right. Um, you know, we were, we were the, I want to say we were like the third or fourth cohort and now they're, they've got to be on, you know, eight or nine. Uh, but I always say it was, I felt like I got an MBA in medical devices, um, because it was just such rich and deep knowledge from a ton of really knowledgeable industry experts. Yep. Um, so I did that, we did that one in 2015, um, we did uh, another one more recently uh, in, uh, at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, called Digital Health Connecticut, which you can, as, as you may have picked up, we're not a digital health company, but they were so interested in the product that they said, we want you guys in this cohort because we think you could be a valuable addition to the cohort. Uh, and so we've done that one. That one was a different style, no equity. They did not invest or they did not take any equity. They did not invest any capital. Um, but they, they were really trying to spur industry collaboration with the hospital systems in their area, which the biggest one that, that was sponsoring this was Hartford Healthcare. Uh, and through that accelerator, we ended up making the connections that allowed us to uh, uh, develop a relationship. And uh, uh, that's why we're doing the trial uh, at Hartford next, uh, starting next week. Yep. <clears throat> what great, what great connections. I, I, I see that out of these accelerators that, that, yeah, you make such. I mean, yes, you. you I mean, you, you. Like you said, you got an MBA out of uh, out of mm-hmm. uh, out of these uh, accelerators, especially one in Memphis. But they they've all taught mm-hmm. you so much uh, along the way mm-hmm. uh, to to get you where to where you are. Um, and um, for sure. Well, and I'll, just can I add real quick? One of my favorite things about the about accelerators in general. There's there, there's two things I'll say. One of which is, especially the ones that are in person and they take place in a given location, like this one was in Memphis, it allows you to kind of plug in to that network. And I still have so many people, organizations, vendors, you name it, from that Memphis area that I met through that program or met through someone, you know, that was involved with the program, kind of second degree. Um, And so that's one of the biggest values, uh, value propositions to doing a quality accelerator is that you get to plug into their ecosystem and meet the other entrepreneurial support organizations from there um, and then all the other industry experts and things like that. So that's one of the big things. And the other thing that I love is you you get to be really good friends with the other people in the cohort and you get to be friends, colleague, et cetera, but you also get to learn about their business. So I learned a ton about digital health and what's on the cutting edge of digital health. Uh, and what companies are doing to help triage patients and 
deal with mental health and, you know, how are doctors dealing with scribes these days using, you know, machine learning and algorithm based voice detection and ambient listening. Um, so I got to learn about all these different things that are not in my space. Um, but in, you know, in the future, say whether I'm helping out another startup, um, in, in whatever capacity or say that I, you know, sometime after Linus, there's some digital health, uh, venture that I want to, you know, the take on, I, it, I at least had some primer knowledge and was at least exposed to that. So I definitely think that beyond just the, the core things that an accelerator is supposed to bring, plugging you into the network, uh, of that community, and then allowing you to get exposed to a lot of different other types of companies um, you know, even, even in your space or kind of tangential to your specific space. Um, I thought those two things were huge value propositions and why I'm, I'm kind of an evangelist for accelerators when they're done right. Well, I, I mean, it, it, it appears to me that again, you've, you've gotten great value out of, out of those, um, and to get your company to where it, it is today. And, you know, in that process, you've had to raise capital and, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, to the tune of, uh, I, I suspect, somewhere between three and five million dollars to get you to where you mm -hmm. are today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we've raised $4.6 million to date. Um, that is primarily from venture capital groups in the in region, regional venture capital groups, and then a lot of angel investors. Um, uh, we've had, I, I feel like we've got had really good success with raising capital. Um, it's, it's, it's always one of the toughest things to do as a startup. Um, and I'll give, uh, you know, big, uh, a big shout out and big kudos to Vance Clement, our CEO, uh, on, on most of the, uh, the more recent fundraising rounds. He's absolutely been a warrior for those. And we were very, very blessed and lucky to have finished our last tranche of fundraising. Uh, I think it was in the beginning of February, which if you're thinking on a COVID timeline, that was right before everything really blew up, right? Wow. So we, we felt really blessed and lucky to have finished that fundraising round when we did. And I'll give, you know, huge props to Vance for uh, yeah. being able to, you know, go through, uh, go through that process with all the investors and get, get everything that funding secured uh, in that timeline. And I'll, I'll just add too, I'm sorry to keep looping back to the accelerator point, but when we were in digital health, the digital health accelerator, we kind of started fundraising whenever we found out, and this was just coincidence, but we started fundraising uh, about the time that we got accepted into that accelerator. And through that accelerator, we kept gaining momentum and gaining momentum, right? And there's all these things that you're doing to advance your business and there's good press and there's good, uh, just a lot, a lot of activity is happening with the company when you're in these accelerators, you're building new relationships, you're meeting new people. And so we, by the time that we finished the accelerator and I was pitching on demo day, we had basically uh, closed up the entire round. Um, we had so much, uh, it's, it's, so that's another, I guess, generating momentum is another great thing that accelerators do. And that allowed us, you know, the accelerator ended on February, I think February 11th. And when it ended, my, you know, at the end of a demo day slide, you usually have an ask. And our ask was that we had basically, or our ask was going to be, we want you to help fill this tranche. Uh, and it ended up being, you know, we've basically filled all of this tranche, but we'll have another one in the future. So come talk to us if you'd like to invest in the future. Right. So the minimum, the momentum generated by the accelerator helped us close that funding for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, so we, we we've raised 4.6 million to date uh, over four fundraising rounds. Um, uh, and it's, it's been tough. It's been tough for two reasons. I'll say, being in this region, you have access to less capital, which is just, it's just tough. Uh, and then being in the industry we're in, um, in this region, 
also. So there's a little bit of a flyover state, you know, capital crunch, right? Where there's just less capital being deployed in these yep. regions, yep. and usually the capital being deployed in these regions is specific to uh, uh, technology, SaaS businesses, or logistics businesses, e-commerce, all of that stuff. There's not a huge amount uh, or a large amount of funds. Um, that are dedicated to biotech, health tech, digital health, medical device in this region. Um, so it's 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 definitely been a been a challenge, but it's one that I feel like we've rose, uh, risen to the occasion for sure. Oh, I, I think so. Uh, I think that I think that think so, Spencer. I I uh, again I, I admire what you've done and and uh, and where you're going. And and I again I think the the best is yet to come. And um, so, in, in saying that, what what um, in, what what do you guys look at uh, as go to market? Uh, when when do you think kind of what do you think your timeline is uh, uh, for your for your product? Sure, sure. So we're we're you know things with the FDA are never set in stone as far as timelines and and, and things always happen that are unexpected. But we're expecting clearance um, uh, around New Year's. I'd say January, uh, hopefully. Um, you know, it just depends on when we can, when we can get our response in and how they view it, what they ask for in return, et cetera, et cetera. But we're expecting, um, hopefully sometime between December, January, uh, potentially February, uh, sometime in that time frame to get, to get clearance. And, you know, kind of on the backside of that internally with the company, we've been preparing for launch for two years, more or less. Um, we really have. So we feel, we feel very prepared, um, the distribution channels, um, you know, we have a distribution agreement in place with a group called Medicor out of Nashville. Um, we've got a great strategy for uh, not only national distribution, but like kind of national sales, logistics, stock fill, ship, um, sales training. Uh, we feel like we've got a really good uh, plan in place for all of that. And it, it's one of those things where you can't, um, uh, it, it's almost like you have to have the clearance to, to, to turn that key and really turn everything on. So we're just anxious to get that regulatory clearance so we can kind of turn that key and start, um, you know, start training the distributors on, uh, and, and really engaging in that full sales process because, you know, things are constantly changing. So we've got sales materials that we're going to have to update right before we launch and those types of things. Um, but the go-to-market strategy, I'd say largely uh, for a company like ours, and this is, you know, a, a, a disposable medical device, um, it is pretty, it's, there's a pretty good roadmap for it. You know, we're going to be selling into inpatient hospitals. So you've got to have distributors that are selling into inpatient hospitals. You want them to have similar call points for us. It's in that nursing administration realm, chief nursing officers, directors of nursing, quality improvement, infection control, um, right. you name it. Right. Um, so, you know, and we understand we've done, you know, we've done a lot of customer discovery interviews with value analysis professionals, which value analysis is kind of that, uh, sweet spot administrator that sits, um, that kind of sits in between the industry and the companies and they, they kind of help usher through uh, the value analysis process for the hospital to understand the value that your device is bringing and um, if it's something that they want to see uh, in their facility to help them. So we've done a ton of legwork to make sure that we have the right people selling the product. We can get, you know, di distribution, we can get them the product efficiently when we need it. What are we talking to them about? Are we saying things they want to hear? Uh, do we have the right assets, return on investment calculators and uh, the sales sheets that are resonating with them? Uh, are we effectively communicating value props? We've even done some mock mock value analysis meetings that were very helpful. So uh, we feel like we've got, you know, a pretty, it, it's a pretty standard go-to-market plan. 
for a company that has a disposable device, but at the same time, we're, we're really excited about it. We think it's going to be a really effective strategy. You know, we've got, uh, you know, boatloads of leads that we can call on that we had, right. that we had uh, collected at various marketing conferences. So we like, uh, you know, it, if you can, if you can sense, there's a little bit of like a, you know, chomping at the bit in my voice yep. because uh-huh. we're just so ready to get this thing launched and start right. generating revenue and, um, you know, start helping patients. Well, well, I, I, I know time's coming, you know, I know it's, and it's just around the corner, I, I feel like for you and watching mm-hmm. all this. And, uh, so, hey, so what advice, uh, if someone listening in today, you know, what, you know, that's, that's got an idea um, that they want to, you know, they want to, you know, develop um, and they think it's a great idea. You know, what, I mean, how, how, what advice could you give them? Um, and, you know, you know, just a first two or three steps just to get them going. Sure, sure. So there, there's kind of three, I'll, I'll say there's three things that stick out to me when I think about this question. Um, the first of which is, you know, you have a great idea. Say you think it's a great idea, right? So say you have a great idea and there's a particular person within the industry, whether it's a physician or a nurse or you name it, that's going to interact with your product, right? It could, it could literally just be banking customers if you're a banking software, right, right. application. Talk to your customers, talk to your users, talk to your buyers, anyone that will interact with the product on any level and constantly do customer discovery interviews, especially in the early going and get their feedback on the product. You want to treat it like a ball of putty and you hand it to the user and then they they shape it for you and you hand it to another one. And by the end of that process, what they hand you back is going to be what they want. And if you build it, they're going to use it. They're going to buy it. right? Right. But just don't, don't be so, um, you know, try to not have idea ownership so much that you can't receive criticism and can't be flexible to advice from users and stakeholders uh, and customers, right? So I'd say just obsess with the customer discovery process early and gain as many user needs and design inputs for your product as you can early on. Um, the second piece of advice I'd say is <clears throat> really canvas and use the entrepreneurial support resources in your region and in your area. Uh, and, and that region and area, because of digital technology and the internet and everything, is just continually growing. Yep. But there are so many resources, locally, regionally, state, federal, grants, you name it, that companies have access to, and not all of them always try to utilize. And sometimes it can be a little bit, um, a little bit arduous, right? Grants are not fun. No, you know, very few people probably like writing grants. We've written grants here at Linnaeus. Um, but all of those resources and some of the ones I mentioned, like Innovate Arkansas, Startup Junkie, all of those ones in the region, uh, the Brewer Entrepreneurship Center, the Innovation Hub, Little Rock Tech Park. If when you plug into these, these things, you know, ASTDBC, they help with grants. There, I, I could just keep going and going. Um, and that's just here in Arkansas. And each state, each region will have these. So really engage with the resources. Most of them are free. Um, that'll help you build your business, start your business, connect with customers, learn from mentors, connect with advisors. Like there's just an unending list of of value that they can bring you. And a lot of the times it's their job to do it. They want to do it for free. And if you show them that you're a serious person and you're serious about starting a business and will do what it takes to make it successful, um, you know, like usually they will, they will, they will identify your seriousness and your commitment to it and they will do everything they can to help you. So that's the second piece. And then the third piece um, is, and I'm going to steal a term from one of my good buddies, Jordan Mickleby. He's the VP at Merge Medical. 
Um, they're a great medical device studio. So short plug for them. If you're ever, if you're an early stage medical device company and you're looking for something, some work, I'm going to plug merge medical. But anyways, so Jordan has the rule of pi, right? Pi is 3.14. He says, however long it takes, however, however long you think it will take and however expensive you think it will be to get it there, multiply it by 3.14, multiply it by pi, right? So if you're like, yeah, this will take a year to launch and take a million dollars. No, it's going to take three years. and It's going to take $3 million, right? And I was just on, and this is, uh, I was just on, uh, I was speaking to a class about FDA and regulatory stuff, an MBA class from the University of Arkansas uh, just yesterday. And they had a speaker on before me who's been doing regulatory work, uh, getting products, uh, mainly his was drugs, drugs and different therapeutic, uh, you know, therapeutic medications and things to the FDA. He said, I have never seen an overfunded company. Companies always need more capital than they think they do. Um, and it's one of those things too, where it's really frustrating to say, yeah, we looked at the budget and we looked at all these quotes from manufacturers and this and regulatory timelines, and we think it's going to take a year. And it's really tough to just kind of soberly say to yourself, okay, let's tell investors it'll take two and a half years or three years. And our budget says we're going to need a million. Let's go out and raise 2 million, right? And it's not to say that you have to raise that all at once, right? You can say, okay, we're going to raise a million now, but we're going to communicate that it's going to take an additional 2 million, 3 million total or whatever the number is, right? Uh, and it's hard to do because you, but it's hard to do because as an entrepreneur, you want to beat the deadlines and you want to push it as hard as you can and go as fast as you can. But I would just implore, uh, you know, early stage companies uh, to really balance that with um, balance that with kind of saying, okay, here's what would be a best case scenario. Uh, and then here's what would be the worst case scenario and kind of present timelines and present budgets in that worst case scenario, because you want to look like a hero when you come in under budget and, and, and under time. It, no one likes blowing through a budget, asking for more money and then t blowing through a timeline. And Lord knows we've done it and I've done it too many times. Right. And it's always in good faith. Right. You're not trying to dupe anybody. Just right. stuff happens. You know, crap happens. Um, and it always happens. It happens to every startup. So I would just say. Um, use that rule of pie. Um, don't be afraid to put, you know, a little fluff in the timeline of, you know, of, of, oh crap moments, right. That may eat up time and, uh, just try to use that rule. And, and typically uh, I, I would say you'd be very hard pressed to find a startup that said, you know, we raised, you know, we raised too much money and now we just don't know what to do with it. You know, and it was, it was a huge, you know, it, it, you, you never hear that. Everyone's always raising and everyone's always needing more than they thought it'd be. So those are the three pieces of advice. I'd say it, I'd give to any startups, just use your local resources, use, uh, use your local resources. It's going to take longer and cost more uh, than you think it will. And then talk to your, just obsess over customer discovery in the early going. Uh, that's, that's awesome advice, uh, Spencer. And, and uh, I couldn't agree more. And I, 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 I too, you know, we have got, haven't gone through the, uh, it's called the Delta I fund um, process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things, and you mentioned this, is that uh, really proving your, you know, proving your, your, um, you know, your idea and, um, you know, before you even take off and, mm -hmm. and, you know, they, they made us do uh, 60 plus interviews uh, with, you know, you think, you know, I've been in healthcare, uh, you know, software technology for 30, oh man, hard to say 32 years. And, mm -hmm. um, but you know, it, they they like it did, doesn't matter. You know what is what is the client? You know who is the what's the customer really need? And you know the interview process. And I thought that your your 
your uh, your analogy with the the clay, you know, and and the putty mm -hmm. that they're modeling it um, as as you go. So when you come out, you've got something that people would really want or use. And so mm -hmm. it's a great process. I, lo I love these incubators and accelerators, and uh, I, I just think they're they really give great value. And uh, so mm -hmm. so uh, so hey, how can folks? Um, how could folks, if someone wanted to get to know more about what you're doing, um, uh, mm -hmm. uh, how could they, uh, would you let them, would you share how, how, how they could contact you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm usually pretty available. I like to um, help out uh, and support startups and things where I can. Um, so I'm really easy to find on LinkedIn. It's just Spencer Jones, yep. um, CT, CTO of Lineus Medical. Uh, you know, I don't have my LinkedIn notifications turned on all the time, but I, but I try to check it at least, you know, every couple of days or every day. Um, so I would say just shoot me a LinkedIn invite, uh, if you're interested, uh, if you're interested, uh, in having a discussion or, you know, getting my, getting my take on something, or, um, maybe you're not sure about, you know, what the right, uh, you know, first couple steps are, I'd be happy to, uh, take, uh, have a talk with you um about you know whatever you're working on and see if there's any way i can help but yeah i would say linkedin's the best way to get a hold of me spencer jones yep. uh cto of lineus medical uh, i've got my big ugly mug on there in a suit so <laughs> more a little bit more dressed up than i am now so <laughs> actually it's a great picture by the way spence i'm just yeah. saying gotta get a gotta get a good headshot for the uh for the linkedin profile uh, you know? it's, it's all about the, the good headshot um Yep. But, uh, well, hey, I, I just want to thank you for taking time uh, out of your busy schedule. I, I know you got lots going on, and uh, and and also just thank you for being a great friend and you know yeah. helping Ple me. My pleasure, Ansel. And and uh, just uh, just value uh, your friendship to say the least, and and admire what you're doing, and uh, and want to help in any way I can. So so, but. Very kind, very kind, Ansel. Thank you. Well, thank you. And and uh, thanks for coming on. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to another um, 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 uh, version uh, of um, Common Grounds. And uh, if you'd like to know more about uh, uh, Common Grounds, you can contact me at uh, Ansel Lee, A-N-C-I-L-L-E-A.com, and, um, and uh, go from there. So, at any rate, thanks so much. And... Uh, Talk to you soon, Spence. All right, take care. Thanks for having me on again. You bet. <laughs>